this week's episode of The Last Refuge. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and with me I have... Bizdira, Kit, Bria, been a while i thought we would throw it in last week (laughs) the party met and made their final preparations for the trial kit was filled in on the massive amount of lore that second assistant librarian dumped on the rest of the party and bria flick and bizdira were told about shell and her cave fishers our adventurers clarified their arguments to each other made sure they had their legal pads easels and backwards chairs at the ready and got their last sleep in before heading to court How will the party fare at trial? What arguments will the opposition make against them? And will this be the end of their time in the world below forever? Let's find out. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hi. Hey. Hi. My test D20 roll that I did just now, (laughs) um, to see how this is all going to go, is in fact a 10. So okay. I rolled um, three seventeens and a crit, so I think we're good. Oh, okay. So all of your good dice juju is gone now. You and know it's what? Just no. be sub five from here on out. You I, know what? <laughs> I have not tested any of my dice, so this is oh. going to be a fun little crapshoot. You're living on the edge, and I, I appreciate that. You know? You know? Yeah, I do. You know? It's quite the risk. <laughs> That's what I do. Living on yeah. the edge. You are you. You know what? Brave. That's brave. <laughs> halfway there. Karin, do you test your dice? I did test my dice. I got a pretty uh, wide spread. I think my highest was a 19, but I also think oh. I got a 2. So see. this is what You'll I expect. See. Yeah, this is what I expect. <laughs> yeah, just super swinging. So basically the same as mine. I DM <laughs> dice today because those tend Ooh. to roll better for me. Okay. All right. You know, there's Pulling a lot. The it's going to be very narrative. You all are going to be sort of taking control of the story. So it feels like a good time for DM dice. DM, mm-hmm. I think, well, to my companions, should we let him in on what we've been doing? Oh, God. I I, well, almost, I think he'd be a proud papa. I think so. Well, actually, we can't say we as like, <laughs> no. because like we did Not stuff, but like Karin did Karin stuff. Did it, was, stuff. <laughs> it was truly um, Karin slash Kit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, well, you even went so far as to printing it out. Oh, yes. For, yes, you for did. our listeners. It's for listeners. four pages long. That is four single space typed pages of notes and I am a, you were right. I am a proud, proud papa. Oh my God. I'm not actually crying. Uh, great. Um, we broke him. I, I have cried before on this show. That was not uh, yeah, one that was of those not times. Uh, as I texted the group last night, um, after I had finished, uh, creating this document it should surprise nobody that i absolutely (laughs) loved debate projects in school Mm -hmm. um and also should surprise nobody that i was often the group leader in any group project that i had to do so i'm sure the rest of your group loved it because you know what i love this document in my hands right now (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm so excited. The funny thing is, is like I feel like I was like that for a lot of my classmates in school too. But in because natural life, I'm like homeschooled because I know you have <laughs> classmates, right? Because I'm like, all right, I have to like prepare and be ready and make notes and have all these things, and everyone else would be like, come in and be like, I didn't study at all, and I'm like, here are my notes, and like your invisible friends came in and <laughs> said. <they didn't> study. <laughs> I'm like, Miss, I just spent two years in school getting a fucking associate's degree. What the hell are you saying? I know, I know. It's so funny making fun of the homeschool. You were the valedictorian. I told you this so many times. I know. We have to move on. Yeah, we have four pages of things to argue with you about. That's right. That's right. And I look forward to it. Okay. Also, let's start with a few. We have some, re- you're not going to hear them right now, but we have, we figured it out. We figured out the whole TLR thing. We fit, you gave us all these things in the oh. library and we figured it out. We know what's going on. We're not going to tell you right now, but we know what's going on. Anyways. Oh, no. All right. One of us is confident. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but we did it's have a long conversation. Very confident, but it's fine. Um, Okay, so a few uh, administrative logistical things to go over first, uh, which is basically sort of the uh, behind the curtain uh, way that the trial is going to work and how we're going to decide the outcome. So the trial is going to be format wise, sort of a mix between like an actual court case and really sort of more of like a town hall caucus. Um, There is like, quote unquote, opposing counsel. There is a representative for the community uh, that will be arguing against you all primarily. Primarily, though members of the community are allowed to get up and speak if they want. Uh, you each side will make opening and closing arguments, and then we'll have a chance to question the other side in between. As far as how I am going to decide the final outcome, uh, I have a little chart of point values for different things, uh, and I have a point threshold. And if you meet or exceed that point threshold uh, via your arguments and the questions that you ask and the answers that you provide to questions that are asked, to you, uh, then you will have swayed a majority of the community and you will win the case. Uh, You already, you all begin with like a pretty hefty bank of points uh, because, you know, the rest of this season wasn't in fact pointless. Uh, And so the fact that you have (laughs) gone out- Literally pointless. (laughs) No, oh, pointless. No, it was not pointless. Look, I mean, it's fine. Um, So all of those people that you spent- the, that you spent the last, you know, three months talking to uh, have have provided you all with a, a pretty cushy starting bank of points, uh, but not quite enough to win the case just on that merit. Um, that said, you will be awarded points, as I said, uh, with your from your opening and closing arguments, the questions that you ask, the answers you provide, uh, and I will award them based on a combination of both just how good y'all's arguments are as we roleplay, uh, so that it's not completely reliant on dice rolls, but we're also going to do dice rolls that might provide you with additional points or, you know, knowing how y'all like to crit fail, maybe subtracting some points. Uh, We will see. Uh, But I didn't want to, you know, totally throw out the ridiculously broken and heinous magic item that I provided you with unthinkingly several years ago during a holiday special episode. You sound like you have... uh, Are you mad about that? Or like, do we need to talk about it? I don't know what you're talking about. So, any questions about any of that? Not about that, but I do feel like there was a big question that kind of changes our arguments a little bit. Are there, like, leaders of this community? Are there, like, four people that are, like, I don't know, they, they're they a little bit older and they have, like, really chiseled jaws? 
That's usually what leaders look like in movies and stuff. And their hair is like really very going slicked for something back. Something very specific here. There are people who work in uh, what we would sort of consider like governmental roles. They have done their best to sort of not have a leader, right? Because uh, of the whole like community, direct democracy, all of that kind of stuff. The reality of that system is that it's, you know, having a perfect direct democracy is basically impossible if you have more than, say, 15 people in a community. Uh, so so it hasn't quite worked out that way. But there, there are people that are governmental officials, uh, including this person who is sort of the opposing counsel for you all. Um, do you want to... I'm not, I'm not sure why you're asking. Perhaps I can provide a better answer if you tell me why you want to know? Um, does that answer it for us, Karin? Oh, I am so <laughs> nervous. Uh, I don't want you to know anything. I don't want you to know our arguments. <laughs> I, I okay. think I think it answers it. I mean, basically, the underlying question is, are there people in this society that make rules that then affect the rest of the society? Because we have got run it, into it, some rules it. that we don't know where they come from, and we can only assume that there is a leadership of some sort that is making these decisions. Some sort sure. of a legislative branch, perhaps, sure, or sure. something of the sort. I will say, and you you absolutely could have spent some time researching this uh, in the yesterday, right? The the day that before that we had. Um, the vast majority of the rules and quote-unquote laws and things uh, that apply to this community have existed as long as anyone can remember. The, the rules and the structure and all of that doesn't change much. Uh, day-to-day, year-to-year, decade-to-decade. That said, if and when there does need to be a change to sort of the way things run, there are individuals... uh, Anyone could submit uh, something, you know, if it affects them, but there are individuals who, yeah, are sort of uh, designated as the people who are learned in the right ways to to sort of compile it and frame it uh, and sort of set up the referendum that would then be required to vote on a new rule. Um, But for the most part, there have been, you know, very few sort of legal legislative changes over the centuries. Uh, Well, for all kinds of reasons, but yeah. And so we can assume that uh, the folks in the government rules are the people who uphold these centuries-long rules. Yeah, there is some enforcement. Uh, For the most part, enforcement, because the society is so indoctrinated to work in this communal way, enforcement generally isn't isn't a huge part, or isn't hugely necessary, uh, but yes, that is one function of the governmental employees. Their other main function is really just infrastructure, right, is really making sure that city services continue to run. Great. All right. Um, so, it is the morning of the trial. You all are, uh, once, once you're ready to go, you all are escorted uh, by representatives of the community uh, up to Upper, and to that same building where you all spoke to the crowd not long after the banner was originally found. Uh, You were taken to that building, which you could tell was sort of a a city building, uh, and taken inside. And inside is this beautifully carved stone room. And you can see that this is probably one of the oldest uh, and best maintained buildings in the city. Uh, There are, as you sort of look around, there are not frescoes, what bas-reliefs, right? There are scenes carved into the walls and the columns. And you can see that, that a lot of these carvings obviously are modeled after events that happened a millennia ago, as far back as the flight to 
underground. You see scenes that depict the surface all the way up to sort of the carving out of this city and, and all sorts of other events that, you know, you probably can't specifically identify, but you get the idea that the history of this city and of the world below is depicted in these carvings around. Um, and it is sort of a circular uh, space, and there are chairs sort of all over in a circle uh, surrounding a central area that is largely open, except for two tables that are set with enough chairs for you all uh, on one side and opposing council on the other. So you all are sort of in the center ring of this large... I, you're in theater in the round. I don't know how else to say it. No. I, you're Not at the Marriott, theater, Marriott Lincolnshire. I don't know what else to say. That's only funny for one other person. On okay. Me, me! It wasn't that funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I'm actually kind of picturing like British Parliament type area with like the table yeah, in the middle. Kind of a little sides. bit, a little bit less like intimidatingly raked on the seats, yeah. right? Like there is a little bit of a rake so that people in the back can see, but it's pretty slight. It just mm-hmm. it looks like a multi-purpose area that is as best they could created in such a way that like no one can stand anywhere and be in a position of prominence except for maybe the immediate center of the room. Gotcha. So you're taken into this space, and you can see there are doors sort of all around the ex- the, the perimeter of the room. Uh, and you're actually taken, uh, you're allowed to, you know, if there's anything that you want to set on the table, whatever. But then you're taken through one of those doors uh, and into sort of a little waiting room where your friends from the Enclave are waiting. Uh, Octavia among them, of course, uh, but also Ox is there. Uh, Talanis is actually there as well. I guess Mox would be there as well. Is is Sniv with him? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I guess Sniv is there too. <gasps> okay. Oh, thank is that, God. Is, that, is that actually where he's been this whole time? I think he's been in jail this whole time. Oh, God. Okay. Sniv. Well, don't say it that way. <laughs> Uh, Books is also there. Uh, the the Warforge that was one of the four leaders of of the Enclave. Uh, so you've got those three of the those three leaders uh, of the four of them that you had met before: Ox, Books, and Octavia, Sniv, Mox, Talanis. Uh, they are all there, and they are happy to see you. They all look in perfectly good health and in good shape. They've been treated, you know, respectfully and fairly well. Uh, and you all have a few minutes to compare notes if there's anything that you need to do. Uh, or say, or check in with each other before the trial begins. I think Biz will just walk around and give everyone a fist bump. Yeah, they'll return mm-hmm. those, uh, you know. I think there might be Books some hugs. Is a little confused. I think Flick would go around and do the Oprah, do the two hands, and just grab oh each one God. of your two hands, <laughs> and just, just oh go God. down the row and give each okay. one an Oprah. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and, and honestly, you know, they're happy to um, they're happy to speak if you all need, but they see the reams of parchment and the various easels and the pads and everything that you all have brought in, and they are fairly confident that you all are well prepared. And, and you know, ultimately, they uh, they realize that, like, the first part of this trial... Uh, is all going to be about the community's dedication to isolationism. And so if you all are able to win that part of the trial, then there is no crime that these folks 
like, then that crime doesn't exist anymore that these folks committed, and so that will very much change how their part of the trial goes anyway. So they're happy to leave it up to you all, but they are very happy to see you, all of the people that are here. Yeah, we can tell them that, like, we got, we feel like we've made some good progress with the people so far. So the, uh, after a few minutes, uh, once you all have had, you know, a chance to, to give greetings and, and check in with it, with each other, uh, the door opens, uh, and a, uh, a gnome walks in, uh, and says, they have been sent to inform you that the time has come. I love his voice. I don't know why we called the last episode puking and crying, because clearly that should be the name of this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Um, I'm going to grab my sibling's hands, which includes Flick, of course. Um, and then I'm going to say, cue music, because you know you're going to change the music here. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to, can can Flick be next to me? And should I whisper, should we enter with some confetti? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a terrible idea. I don't know. It may be a little it, it may be a little unprofessional. Okay. So um, right before we go through the door, I'll drop everyone's hands and, and go into lawyer mode. Yeah, we I feel like we also have things to bring into the courtroom. Easels, pads, etc. Yeah. yeah. There are things to be carried. Uh no, I was just gonna stop them if they were gonna do confetti, because that is not <laughs> not well, not the tone we're setting today. Not the impression yeah. we want to make today. <laughs> ba, 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 yeah. ba. <laughs> so okay so you all walk out uh not hand in hand because you're carrying all the things but you all have a little moment of together whatever um and in the few minutes that you have been in this side room conversing with your enclave friends this courtroom has completely filled up there is not an empty seat anywhere you don't know what the total population of the world of this city is but it would not surprise you if someone told you that every single person who lives in this city is in this room right now um it is a very large room and there are a very large amount of people here there is a very large amount yes there is a very large amount of people here um do any of our friends from previous episodes like wave or cheer as we walk in cheer yeah i think well i don't think they cheer (laughs) uh but i do think you probably get a wave out of some of them you spot you know sort of towards the back uh you spot shell and a little ways uh over from shell you spot the tinkerer uh sort of you know keep into their own groups at the back and um and uh well as we saw with kit you know shell must smell like manure apparently since that's what (laughs) that's all that happens there no that's not true neither shell nor kit smell like has like a little Um, bit of room around (laughs) (laughs) no shell smells lovely she smells like uh uh, fresh, fresh earth and cavefish. <laughs> like, where is this going? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, Tide is there, sort of bustling in at the last moment. Uh, second assistant librarian comes in. Uh, you can see Stu and all of his minor friends at one side. Even Liara is there, uh, and she uh, she's holding the ball. Yeah. Uh, the the ball. I, I don't have to say anything else. You know what I'm talking about. I'll um I'll I'll um do like a oh do I have to touch it to make the light show up on it? You do. Dang yeah. It. Okay, never mind. Sorry. I will, though, <laughs> uh, when I see Tide, I'm going to, like, give him a little itty-bitty wave and and uh, give him the pincer hands, like the crabs. Be like, uh, I am horrified, but I feel like Tide would probably love that. Yeah, he would love. Back. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they're all there, as well as, you know, other people that you've interacted with. 
uh, when you were shopping and people that were around when you were busking. And then, of course, lots of faces you don't recognize. Can there be people that have created Mm -hmm. shirts with, um, like, they're like our our groupies for our band. (laughs) And they have, like, our faces on their shirts. Maybe I did the drawings and they just taped it on. I love that. I think you know that there are people in this community that have those shirts. And they're just waiting to see if you get banished before they actually Before they unbutton the shirt and (laughs) reveal what's underneath. Okay. They like, they're hedging, they support you, but they're hedging their bets a little bit. Okay. We'll take what we can get at this point, you know? Yeah, truly. Truly. So the gnome leads you over to the center of the room uh, and to your table, uh, which is, of course, facing and directly opposite the central area from the uh, from opposing council's table. And once you all are settled, this gnome just goes and takes a seat in the gallery, in among everyone else. And Octavia sort of nudges you all after a few moments once you're settled. Uh, she sort of nudges you all and indicates uh, that opposing council is standing and, and you, we should all stand as well. Stand, yeah. I will, yes. Yeah, sure. And so as you all stand, the entire gallery stands uh, as if they were waiting for that signal. And uh, as and it is, no one seems at all perturbed or surprised by this, but it is kind of chilling, I think. The entire room in unison says, Let arguments begin. Nope. No thanks. That is horrifying. Yeah, I don't like it. Don't like it. Nope. But we proceed as normal. We're not going to let that phase us, okay? I I feel like all of our eyes just got, like, anime eyes, like, super, super wide, but we're all just standing there like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, yeah, sure, Uh uh-huh. This deer absolutely shudders a little. Uh, And so opposing counsel, who is a venerably old, like, Octavia is old, this man is old, and uh, eldish, uh, dark skin with this shock, uh, sort of dark brown skin with this shock of red hair, uh, long red hair that he's got braided down his back, uh, and wearing, you know, very simple, very simple floor-length robes, uh, shuffles a few papers, and stands up, and, uh, moves to the center of the ring, for lack of a better term, uh, and begins to speak. Just over 1,000 years ago, the founding ancestors fled the surface amid chaos, destruction, and death. They came below and established the most stable civilization since the age of Arcania. No beasts, no decimation of civilizations, nothing of the sort for 1,000 years. Then, it was learned that community members were betraying the core principle of their society and interfering with the surface. Since then, there have been earthquakes, the destruction of an entire city, and most recently, threats against the entire populace. What possible conclusion can any thinking community member come to other than that this betrayal and the subsequent interference in the world below by surface dwellers are the cause of the current situation? The founding ancestors and their ancestors and their ancestors' ancestors tried living on the surface. They tried stopping the beast. 
They tried saving their friends and families from destruction. And for thousands upon thousands of years, they failed. The age of Arcania delayed the inevitable by all accounts, but none can say why. And in the end, it still came. The surface was still white clean. Life on the surface still ended. But where did the beast not go? Where did those brilliant and brave arcanists manage to hide from the beast, even as it ravaged their homes and their loved ones? Here, the world below. Now the beast threatens to return to the world again. It is frightening, but not unexpected. The founding ancestors hid from the beast and escaped its wrath in tunnels and caverns significantly less secure than those that now exist. It was done once. It can be done again. Except there's a larger problem. The community has been threatened directly. They have been explicitly told that if they interfere, the beast will find them, will destroy them. What a terrifying prospect. It is the stuff of nightmares. And yet, what is that threat but a restatement of what they have always known to be true? Stay silent. Stay uninvolved. Stay alive. Yes, that is exactly what they have done for a millennium. And it has served them well. They have stayed silent and not spoken to those who are foolish enough to live above ground. And they have stayed alive. They have stayed uninvolved, no matter what was going on on the surface. And they have stayed alive. Why, in the dark, would they get a reminder of these truths and suddenly choose to change their ways? It is inconceivable. No, no. There is no choice but to do as they have always done, to do as they have been reminded to do. They must rid their society of those who wish to taint it with the surface, with the beast. There is no choice but to reaffirm their core principles and abjure those who wish to see society endangered. And he sets his papers down and goes back to his table and has a seat. And slowly, one by one, all eyes in the room turn to the four of you. And that's where we're going to leave it for this week. So (laughs) we can take a break. Hey, everybody. Your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, here with a few mid-show announcements. First of all, we stand with Black Lives Matter and our black siblings who are still fighting for justice. That fight is absolutely not over because we're tired. Second of all, if you're enjoying the episode so far, it would be laudable if you could pop on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you get our podcast from and leave us a rating and a review. We'll always read five-star reviews on air as soon as we're able, and the more of them we get, the more visible the show becomes, and the more people we get to listen. We are on a streak of episodes where we get to read reviews, so help 
help us keep that streak going and leave us one. We also want to remind everyone, as usual, that we do still have our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash dndlastrefuge to get access to all kinds of cool patron perks, like early access to certain episodes, character sheets for the PCs, occasional discounts in our merch store, and much, much more. In addition, by supporting our Patreon, you'll also be supporting multiple other content creators across the Patreon sphere via our Patreon at Forward program. More information on the program and a list of the creators that we're patronizing are available on the Patreon, but since it's the beginning of September, we are going to go ahead and let you know what awesome patrons we're patronizing this month. This month's recipients of Patreon at Forward are Nat Rose, Taking Initiative, James Intracasso, D20 Dames, I Need Diverse Games, Venture Maidens, Scott Buckley, The Broadswords, Tanya DePass, Meeple Like Us, and our two new Patreons this month, MCDM Productions and Rivals of Waterdeep. Let's also take a minute to thank some of our awesome patrons that make that program and so much more possible. Thank you to our Heralds of Denier, Shimmy Gangot, Tanya, and Sir Mox the Magnificent, to our honorary party member, Matthew Allen, and to our Shimmerscale tribe leaders, Eugenio, Eliahu of Mert Grove, Lisa Diane Mercado Etheridge, and Misty. If you want to get shoutouts on the show and much, much more, hop on over to patreon.com slash dndlastrefuge and become a patron today. We want to remind you once again this week about our partnership with Codename Entertainment and Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms, a completely free idol adventure game featuring your favorite characters from Forgotten Realms lore, available on Steam, Nintendo Switch, Xbox, PS4, Apple and Google mobile app stores, etc., etc. Check out the game at codenameentertainment.com and be sure to use the code that you can find every week in our episode notes to get a free gold chest in-game. We want to thank BattleBards, Scott Buckley, and Kevin McLeod for the music that you hear on our show. You can find their collections at BattleBards.com, ScottBuckley.com.au, and in CompTech.FilmMusic.io, respectively. As always, you can also have a look at our episode notes to find track names, artist names, and links. If you ever get adventures, character options, new monsters, or anything at all from the DMs Guild or from any of the drive through family of websites, be sure to use our affiliate links found on our website and in the episode notes when you shop there so that TLR gets a portion of your purchase. It's like Amazon Smile, but make it D&D. Mixed Messages is a new podcast by Bree Graham and Emily Madigan, two mixed women trying to navigate the complexities of living between multiple communities in these divided times. They'll be discussing everything from colorism to transracial adoption in season one alone. They've dropped three episodes so far, so it's not too late to get caught up and in on the ground floor of this incredible new podcast discussing some really tough issues in a smart, friendly, and informative way. Follow Mixed Messages on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at at Mixed Message Pod. That's message singular without the S. And you can also check out their website, which is mixedmessagespod.com. That one does have the S. We want to thank D&D Beyond for their support of our podcast and for being generally amazing in every way possible. If you aren't already a D&D Beyond fan and user, go check out their services at dndbeyond.com. You won't regret it. If you haven't yet, now is a great time to check out our merch store as we begin slowly but surely pressing into fall. You can go to bit.ly slash TLR merch store to check out t-shirts, hoodies, buttons, drink koozies, and everything else that we have available. And once you receive your items, take pictures and tag us on social media. We've already gotten a few of those so far, and we have been loving 
loving them. So send them our way. All right, listeners, you have waited patiently. You have waited two months past our actual anniversary date, and now your patience is to be rewarded. The time has finally come for our third anniversary giveaway. Now, hopefully you saw our announcement on social media yesterday, but if you didn't, here's the breakdown. This year, we have decided to celebrate some incredible artists in our community by commissioning pieces from them, each piece depicting one of their personal favorite moments from our show. And let me tell you, these artists did not disappoint. Starting tomorrow, Thursday, September 3rd, we're going to post one of our Talented Friends creations on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook every week. To get your name into Frosty's hat for the chance to win one of our four thrilling prize bundles, which contain products from WizKids, Wormwood, Imperial Forge, Roll20, and more, all you need to do is repost the piece on your social media. Now, when you repost it, be sure to tag both us, TLR, and the artist so that your entry will be counted. Let me say that again. In order for your entry to be counted, you must tag both TLR and the artist when you repost the art. You can find tags for the artist in the original post, so don't worry there. Comments don't count for an entry. Straight retweets don't count. Only tagging TLR or the artist doesn't count. You must tag both. And yes, multiple platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, means multiple possible entries for you, so repost away and let the world know how much you love these talented folks, just like we do. Pieces are going to be released weekly on Thursdays, and you, listeners, will have until 11.59pm Pacific, how very specific, on Wednesday, September 23rd, to get your reposts counted for our drawing, which will take place the next day, Thursday, September 24th. For full details on the rules, and a list of prizes, you can head to any of our social media platforms on Twitter, Instagram, and or Facebook and check it out there. We're excited to celebrate what has been a wonderful three years on the airways with our talented artist friends and most of all with you. All right. That's all the announcements we've got this week. We finally got the anniversary thing taken care of and everything else was fit in there. So thanks so much for listening. Back to the trial. Stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, and happy gaming, y'all. I would like to whisper something uh, in Asm- in Celestial to my companions and just say, uh-huh. he is very familiar with what the banner said, considering well, how long it was up for. Considering. Um, while we're in this quick little powwow before we mm-hmm. um, stand up in front of the entire city, I think Flick's initial um, observations, mm-hmm. clearly they want to, I- I'm talking mainly to, to you for just... Just so that we can get on the same page about like what this is going to look like for us. I mean, it seems like they want to, uh, they they have a particular um, grudge against the Arcani, the Arcanists, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think they're they think that I don't know. I think that we need to explain that the Arcanists' uh, goals were misguided, and we need to focus on the organizations behind the threats and everything like that. That's one of my first observations. I don't. I didn't get that that impression. He said the age of Arcania delayed laid the beast but no one can say why so i think that they don't really understand what the arcanists were doing not so that they have i think that's what i want to explain okay who's gonna do this kit (laughs) it can it can't be all of us taking a little bit of each or do we Uh, need to follow protocol and Uh, it can it can yeah i would say kid if you feel confident uh okay I mean, sure. (laughs) We can jump in if we need to, but I think you got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So Kit lets out a little breath. Uh, and and a little pee. Very interesting because Kit is not the most charismatic, but she does love logic. So <laughs> uh, she stands up. The question we're here to answer today is why should this society cease being isolationist? That's the question here that my friends and I will aim to answer. Isolationism claims that a society's best interests are best served by keeping the affairs of other societies at a distance. For years, indeed, likely for most of living memory, this has worked in this society's favor. There's no doubt about that simple fact. However, since my friends and I have been here, we've seen evidence that remaining isolated from the rest of the world is no longer serving your best interests. We have seen that the events of the surface have been having negative events, uh, negative effects on your lands, your structures, and your wildlife. I myself have seen two instances, uh, both in your husbandry and in your farming, where your food, your sustenance comes from, that the effects of the surface are having negative impacts on your very way of life down here. It is impossible to deny that our worlds are interconnected, and it is impossible to deny additionally that by remaining in isolation and by failing to educate your citizens on the beast's many rises throughout history, that your society's leadership is failing to do its part to protect not only your society, but the world as a whole. Today, we're going to speak on the importance of history making, uh, of history in making de informed decisions today. We'll speak about what we have learned throughout our journey, the cults that have used fear tactics uh, to scare the population while heralding the beast's coming. We'll speak how the banner that your opposition has just mentioned is a very example of this. And we'll question how can the leaders of this society be surprised at the reactions of the citizens if there is no understanding that this event is rooted in history. If your society is truly a democracy relying on the vote of each individual person, is it not the responsibility of the society to keep every individual of the population informed? Do your people know this history, or is this being kept from them in order to keep the citizenry docile? We know that you may blame us for the events that have taken place here, and we will say that that is scapegoating. This problem was going to happen regardless of whether we came here or not. This has all been going on for a long time, longer than we've been here and longer than we've been working with the Enclave. Perhaps we are to be blamed for an isolated event here or there, but we are not the cause of the larger problems happening here. These are all examples of the beginnings of the beast coming, of a cult perhaps working to re release them. These are the signs, and we are working against them to pre prevent these things from happening. There are forces at work here that we cannot yet understand. And to blame every individual instance on us is simply ill-informed. At the end, we will tell you we are not asking for a big change, but a change that will make the world and this society safer. We are working to ensure everyone's safety, and it was the help, with the help of the Enclave that we were able to do so up until this point. As we move forward, you'll see that the only change we are asking, the only change we are trying to make is to allow people to make their own choices. The basic structure of day-to-day -day life can stay the same. The system as it currently stands limits the rights and the freedoms of the civilians who wish to go out and explore the rest of the world and protect the society from harm. Everyone who wishes to stay below ground can, 
But for those who want to join us on the surface, it could make all the difference in our fight to keep the beast contained. And at the end of our argument, you'll see this is all that we are fighting for, for our world, for this society, and for the safety of all peoples everywhere. You totally get little, like, golf claps. Oh my god, imaginary confetti. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, As a a me, as a Terran, I could have honestly been watching my daughter do that. I was so proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. Excellent. Oh my god, my heart is beating so fast. It was so good. (laughs) It was so good. Let's go ahead and make this one. Uh, because uh, you, like I said, you love logic, and this was well thought out. So we're going to call this, it's not going to end up mattering because you're not proficient in persuasion, but we're going to call this an intelligence persuasion check. Is that better than if I made it charisma? That is better, right? Unnatural 20. (laughs) Fuck, yes! All right. Full marks for your opening arguments. They were excellently thought out, and you rolled the shit out of it. Um, okay, so, you know, as you take your seat again, Kit, uh, you look around, and Octavia uh, and Books and Ox look extremely impressed. Uh, and you look around, and you see not just the people that you have met and spoken to, but people are, uh, other random strangers are, at the very least, willing to hear these arguments. You've sort of opened things up in a way that that has kept hearts and minds open. Open, let's say that much is clear. So there is a brief pause, and a few people in the gallery stand up. And and again, it's it's almost unnerving because everyone seems to know what to do without anyone giving directions. But a few people in the gallery stand up and begin to make their way towards the center ring. And the first one of those people is Tide. And Tide has some words to share with the gathering. So we think these folks may have broken some rules and put us all in an incredible and truly deadly amount of danger. And well, from where we're sitting, that looks entirely accurate. Yeah, we think they probably did those things and we think we probably are in an incredible amount of danger. But what we also know is we were always in danger down here. Whether it be beasts or devils or crabs what want to make us critter food, well, we know for a fact that there ain't one of us that is going to make it out of this life alive. And, well, the way we figure it, we're better off sticking to those that are interesting to talk to while we are alive, we mean. And uh, Tide sort of nods and shuffles back to his seat. I Lick was is gonna hoping give him this the was gonna happen. Again. <laughs> that was super cute. Next up, uh, behind Tide in line is uh, is a a human woman who steps forward. She looks around uh, and she's she's clearly nervous. Public speaking is clearly not her thing. Uh, but she um, she says, "I um, I just wanted to." Um, to share um, my experience um, because I I happen to think um, that um, these four individuals um, are extremely dangerous. Um, I was uh, walking um, not too long ago and heard a cry um, and and. F- Falling from a higher level came came a, per- a person, and as I as I looked up, I saw 
um, one of one of these four individuals um, who must have who must have pushed him off of off of a staircase. Um, and I I I it was horrible to to see. And and I I I ran because I thought I might be next. Um, and I just thought that everyone should know that I I am afraid of these people. Bazir would like to raise her hand. So uh, this looks like the end of this public uh, chat session. There's going to be more later and more people who want to speak. But for right now, uh, it is a time to respond. Questioning the speakers isn't really a thing. They didn't really sign up for that. But you can make statements about what they've said. Uh, and as as will basically happen throughout the course of the trial, you all will have the, the quote unquote last say. Uh, so opposing counsel will always sort of go first. Okay. Uh, and so the... Uh, the old elf man uh, stands up and uh, looks sort of thoughtful and looks down at some of his notes uh, and he will say, they have no statements at this time. And we'll sit back down. Before we continue, I wanted to ask Flick if he was okay since he and I have um, pretty good persuasion if Bizdira could have the hat. I think that's lovely. Great. Okay, great. So Biz, you've got the hat okay. for what it's worth. So I have advantage? Uh, on, on any charisma checks, yes. Okay. Which is good because my charisma is plus zero. <laughs> um, okay, so Bizdira will stand up mm-hmm. and say, um, I know of the incident that you spoke of while I was trying to help some of the miners that were in a bit of an issue with equipment failing and they were they were at risk of falling i was running to try to their rescue and i mistakenly ran into somebody and they fell i immediately stopped i jumped after them off of the balcony and i have the ability to heal with my hands and I made a point of using that ability on this person. I have fought in many battles, and I do not believe in hurting the innocent. This person was innocent, and I was not going to stand by and let my actions cause harm to this person. When I knew that they were safe, I went back and tried to be careful about my route back to the miners to help them out. And we were able to successfully save all of the miners with no injuries. I hope that the person that fell that I healed is here today and could speak as well about their feelings on the situation. I'm I'm going to tug her shirt a little bit and give her a little thumbs up like you did it girl. Okay. Yeah. She'll she'll just yeah. finish up and saying like we are not here to hurt anyone. We are not here with malice in our hearts. We're here to help and we're here to save as many people as we can and save the world from potential threats. And then she'll just kind of like nod her head and sit down awkwardly. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, I will take a charisma persuasion from you and you've got the hats. So you've got advantage. Thank God for that. That was a crit <laughs> fail and an 18. Oop. Okay. All right. Any other statements based on either Tide or this woman's uh, account? Okay. Uh, so there's sort of a moment's pause to see if there's going to be any more of that. Uh, and opposing counsel stands up again and he nods uh, respectfully to all of you. Uh, and this is the portion or, or a portion uh, where he will be asking some questions of you all. So he grabs up his papers and sort of uh, looks through a few things and he says, um, their first question 
for all of you is how long have you been here? I'll Are we supposed say, to answer right now? Yeah, I'll say yes. Oh yes, you can. Yeah, this is a back and forth. Now he will ask. They he will ask questions, and you all will will answer them or, or say, not. I guess. I guess you don't have to. But <laughs> that doesn't look great. Do you mean in this world or underground on this island? There's that's a lot. Of, there's a lot of here's. He uh, he sort of he gives a little smile and nods and says, uh, "Ah." They have cut to the point of the question. How long have you been here in our city? And how long have you been in this world? So 14 days? Question mark? This, this is a question for you. I no, don't know why you asked us long. this question. This it, is we, it was the <laughs> trial was pushed up, so it was shorter than Yeah, that. we've been here like four, yeah. five days. I think it's like max, right? Yeah, I think you've been here maybe six days with that extra day yesterday yeah and how long have we been in this world just just under two years so i will say we've been here underground treated very well we really enjoy it down here uh for six days and we have been in this world for just under two years thank you you mentioned that there were signs of our way of life here uh being untenable even before you arrived. Could you tell them what those signs were? I'm gonna let Kit take this one. Yeah. (laughs) In the days that we've been underground, my friends and I have met your citizens, spoke to your citizens, and they have told us about their way of lives here and things that they've encountered. And in uh, speaking to the person who cares for the cave fishers, they informed me that for over a year now, their cave fishers have been acting strangely. For over a year now, the cave fishers have been acting strangely, you say. But that does still seem to fall in the time frame of your being here with us in this world. Yes, it does fall within the time frame of us being in this world, but it does not fall within the time frame of us having any contact with any members of uh, the society below. Well... Sort of. Well, unless we're counting chuckles, but uh, with fine, I'll amend to having any significant contact. There you go. With there you go. Members of the society. Below. I'll take that. I'm gonna write a I'll little note to Kit as she's talking um, and say, "Haven't uh, Flick's family has been here longer than we have? Correct? Even if it's by a short margin? I don't think we know that. I think it was probably around the same time. What you're thinking of, Bria, is that uh, you found out that they had a big head start on you, but that was mostly because you all spent a whole year just governing the Shimmer Scale tribe. Got it. And they spent that time." working towards their goals. Okay, so I will have written that down, and Flick is just crossing it out. He's like, no, 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 no. We're not. (laughs) Yeah, no, that... In a polite way. Opposing counsel sort of nods uh, at your answer kit and says, uh, that is a point well taken. They do wonder, though, uh, you all seem to have a penchant for involving yourselves in rather large world affairs. Could you tell them a a general idea of what you were doing uh, in the time before you began contacting those from the world below? I assume I'll take this one. Sure. So I will, Flick will get up and say, well, first of all, to say that we contacted anyone from the world below is false. Um, We were contacted by the Enclave and another being from the world below uh, much earlier than that. 
Oh my god, is he gonna be here? What if we just all of a sudden hear his uh-huh. <laughs> Oh my god, your face, is he here? Oh my god. But to answer your question about what our business here on this world, uh, I was formerly a uh, cleric of the god Denier, uh, of the pantheon where we come from. And we were sent here basically on a mission to consecrate uh, major power sources uh, to his name and to so that he could have a foothold in this new opportunity of a world for him. Pretty soon after we started, we found out that those power sources were directly linked to the emergence of the beast. And so we quickly uh, ceased that mission and changed gears into what we are doing today. And I'm going to write on the piece of paper again, um, like, to the detriment of yourself personally, and, like, point the arrow to, at Flick. Yes, yes, thank you, Bria. So I'll add to that. And when I when I refused to do, to fulfill this mission that I was deemed worthy enough to see through for Denier, uh, my power was stripped away from me. I was basically brought down to zero and I had to work myself back up in order to make sure that I can see that the beast does not return along with my fellow companions. And then uh, since he's talking, I'll just keep writing and let him finish kind of all of this. I'll write something about um, now our mission is to uh, deactivate slash protect the nodes to ensure that the beast doesn't come because there is this other entity out there. And Flick will continue on by saying, as I've stated previously, these power sources within the Ar- the, the Arcania uh, that you've already mentioned are in fact directly linked to the the rise of the beast. And we have made it our mission to make sure that those are not activated, that they are actively de actively deactivated, that they <laughs> that they are deactivated permanently, and never uh, no one is ever able to see that that the beast is brought back. How did you discover that these power sources that your mission would have brought back the beast? That was the enclave, right? But. But we've also learned a lot of histories throughout this. And you started to find this information, like when you started to activate, you started to see kind of how things were connected. We learned stuff in the Arcanium. There was a lot of stuff we learned down there about how... That's, I went up to the astral plane. It was a big story. You oh, should no, you sometime. know what? There was a lot of this in, in what's her name's story. Um, yeah, there's a lot mm. of it in her story. Uh, Bria, was all of that for the court? <laughs> Uh, you can was, take this one if you want. I enjoyed it. My it was brain great. Vomiting. I just am curious. I think, I think maybe I processed all of that information and I can stand up and say we've traveled through a lot of this world already, though not all of it. Um, and we have found a lot of history throughout it through books um, and through um, really great vo- voiceover work um, from some really great artists. And... <laughs> and <laughs> Um, and I'll just I'll just say we've we've learned a lot from all the people that we've met, um, and we've started to come to uh, all of this information by uh, listening to each uh, each story um, from these different populace, and kind of started to see the underlying things that were the same in all of these stories. When we were in the Arcanium, there was a lot of, of paper and a lot of books and things that we learned a lot of information from as we were down there. I may write on the piece of paper restricted section question mark. And I'm going to cross that out. 
Okay, great. <laughs> just, that's just a question. Yeah, I think we had previously discussed that we were going to just say any information that we had from the restricted section was going to be information that we said we learned throughout the world. Did we, and I guess I will write this on the, well, first question, did you actually mention uh, the Enclave flick? I think that was a, um, I probably would have whispered that to some of you all just to make sure that I remember Yeah. It. I mean, I, I'm going to take the reins. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to assume that please, you... Please do. I didn't say anything about it. I was purposely skirting the issue and saying we learn this information elsewhere. Do you feel comfortable if I mention this to make a larger point? Sure. I trust you. So I will stand up and say, and in addition to all this history that we had learned that had already begun planting the seeds of doubt in our mind, uh, at the moment where we had to make the ultimate decision on whether to consecrate this power source... Uh, we were in, we were uh, stopped and informed by members of the Enclave, members of your society, that doing so would be massively detrimental to this world as a whole, which is uh, information that we had begun to suspect, but we had no confirmation of it. And without those members of society taking it upon themselves to look at the rules and say, are these rules actively causing harm? Without them taking the moment to think about the fact that they were breaking the rules for the larger good, we perhaps wouldn't have made the right decision. In fact, I would, I will actually interrupt you and say, in fact, mm -hmm. I would argue that we would have potentially consecrated the temple. I can argue, I can step in and say, I would have definitely done it, not even potentially. All of which is to say, that the people in your society were a huge part in protecting this world. And who knows who you're keeping down here who has the potential to save the world, who is too afraid to break the rules. Opposing counsel nods along with you uh, and says um, a reasonable argument that it was the those who betrayed our, our policies here that stopped you from doing something detrimental. Which of course begs the question though, why did you need to be stopped in the first place? It seems that your very presence here and your interference set off a chain of events that perhaps you didn't perpetrate, but which ultimately have led to massive changes in the status quo of the world. There are others you said that you are working against. Do you know who they are and where they have come from? Yes. Would you mind sharing with us who they are and where they have come from? We all look at each other. Kit. Why me? Are we... <laughs> no, I'm saying, are we telling <laughs> them? Not her siblings. <laughs> no, this could actually be better for us. Flick will very proudly stand up after he has a slight mental breakdown. <laughs> He'll get up very proudly and say, um, as a matter of fact, I do, seeing as they are family. My father is one of the most powerful pit fiends uh, in, the, in all of the hells, and he has four children, and I am one of them. The other three uh, have decided to... Uh, Crap, I don't I was not prepared to tell the story. I'm gonna break it with a joke so you can think for a second, okay? So he goes, and I was one of them. And then he and then he pulls out his broom and he starts cackling like a witch and flying oh around God. the room with, <laughs> with smoke behind him and says, And now I'm taking over your city. Oh my god. <laughs> 
this is I this is my worst nightmare. Um, okay, so uh, just uh, I will say, just as Denier uh, set this mission in front of us, uh, my father set the same mission in front of them, and uh, their mission was to consecrate these nodes. Uh, just as we were trying to do. However, they have continued. They know what they are doing. They want the ra- they want the beast to come back, and that it is their goal and their mission for that to happen. And we are f- actively fighting against them. And that's who we were. F- that's uh, we can only assume that's who we were fighting on the northern island when we personally went there on your behalf to rescue all of the uh, the northern refugees and come to this city. Devils upon high-leveled devils uh, are 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 their army, and we must band together to try and stop them. I'll stand up and say, regardless of who arrived when and who is here, these devils are here. We are here, and regardless of what happened in the past, we now need to deal with the present threat that's in front of us, and it is these devils who are the threat in front of us. And we have to fight them because otherwise everything is destroyed. Opposing counsel sort of nods thoughtfully, shuffles his papers, uh, and goes back to his desk. Let me have all of you uh, make charisma persuasion checks just for that whole sort of chunk. <laughs> Kit? Seven. Really good. Like uh, Nose dive there. <laughs> yeah, it was bound to happen eventually. Flick? That was a 25. Nice. Kit, uh, Bizdira, sorry. 18. 18, very nice. And Bria? 28. Okay, great, great. So this was all quite good. All right. So as uh, as he sits down, uh, eyes begin to turn to you, and it is your turn uh, for questioning of opposing counsel. And just to keep us on our toes, that is where we're going to leave it for this week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of The Last Refuge. Be sure to listen next week to find out how the rest of the trial goes. I I don't know. That's that's it. That's what it's about. (laughs) Anyway, you can reach out to the DLR team by leaving us a podcast review or by dropping us a line on Twitter and Instagram at at DNDLastRefuge. That's at D, the letter N, D, Last Refuge. Speaking of reviews, we have, actually, we have a lot of reviews. The next four weeks will feature a review to be read. Two uh, that I found on a U.S. podcast, uh, a U.S. Apple podcast. One from Canada and one from the Netherlands. Oh my god! Uh, So this week is uh, one from U.S. Apple podcasts. Uh, This is from Josie Bendy. And Josie Bendy says, Great real play. I absolutely adore DM Jazzy Hands and the crew. Can't believe I just started listening to y'all, but I'm loving every minute. Well, I am very glad that you have listened to us, even if it took this long. We're glad you're here now. Oh, man, they're not saying anything. I have broken them. <laughs> I'm writing my notes down. We, we all have really lovely t- smiles on our face. We're like, yes, this is so great. <laughs> very sweet. We appreciate it. If you've got more than 280 characters to say to us, you can also email us at dndlastrefuge at gmail.com. If you want to know more about us as players, access our Patreon, see some awesome fan art, find out what virtual cons we'll be attending, and get links to other streams and podcasts where you can see us playing even more D&D, you can go to our website, www.dndlastrefuge.com. Refuge.com. As always, I want to thank Robert Hupf, my story consultant for this campaign. A quick thank you to Alejandro Tay, who had a brief return cameo as Tide. Uh, and of course, all of you for listening. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and with me I have... Bazira, Kit, Bria, and Pluck. Happy gaming, y'all! 
But Miss Mom Brain was just like, whoa, you went to school? Wait, no, you didn't. Yes, I fucking did. Did you just call me Miss Mom Brain? (laughs) Yes. Miss Mom Brain. (laughs) 